Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to another Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I am back from paternity leave, which was great. I have a new baby girl at home, which some of you may have heard about in my absence while we had some guest posts up there. But I am very excited today to be joined by Jacob Morgan. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing well. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. I have a three-year-old. Well, <laughs> Good she's, luck. she's a little bit older than three now, but she's yeah. a girl. And we have a boy on the way coming in May. Oh, congrats. Thank you. It's crazy. So far, this baby's been perfect, but my other daughter is four. She just turned four, and she's a lot to handle. Yeah. I mean, the things they say and the things they do are really amazing. Great. So Jacob Morgan is a four-time bestselling author. He's a TED keynote speaker, futurist, and the creator of futureofworkuniversity.com. And you have a new book coming out in February. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So the book is coming out uh, mid to late February, and it's called The Future Leader. And the book came about because from a lot of the talks and the engagements that I would do with business leaders or even just audiences, I would always get this question around, what's the future going to look like? What do we need to be teaching ourselves and to our employees to be successful leaders over the next decade and beyond? So 2030, what do we got to do? And like many people, you know, I have my assumptions, I had ideas around this, and I tried to do a lot of research on this, but there's not a lot of really credible and reliable data on leadership for the future. And so I decided to go out and collect it. And the project was, as far as I know, it's the most in-depth and comprehensive project looking at the future of leadership that's ever been put together. So the first part of it is I went out and I interviewed 140 CEOs around the world. And I spent an hour with them, sometimes in person, sometimes over the phone. And these are CEOs from companies like Kaiser, Unilever, MasterCard, Oracle, Verizon, and all over the world. So like Koch Holdings, which is in Turkey, NL, which is in Italy, NG, all different parts of planet Earth here. And the second piece of that, so 140 of those CEOs. The second part of this was I teamed up with LinkedIn and we surveyed 14,000, almost 14,000 employees around the world to see how the perspectives of the workforce aligns with the perspectives and the insights of CEOs. And so what came out of this is what I hope readers will find to be a very compelling book that looks at five actually big areas. So the first one, and the main question I wanted to answer is, will the leader of 2030 be that different than today? And if so, how? So we look at trends shaping future leaders, the greatest challenges that future leaders are going to have to overcome, the mindsets that future leaders are going to have to possess, the skills that future leaders are going to need to have. And these are things that you actually need to know how to do. And the last part of the book looks at how to actually go about and become a future leader. So that's what the book is about. And I hope it adds a lot to the leadership conversation for today in the future. Well, can you give us a little bit of a sneak preview on what's the main thing that's going to change in the next decade for leaders? 
So there are a lot of things that are happening. And one of the things that I learned from interviewing all these CEOs is that a lot of them believe that there will be some core aspects of leadership that remain the same. So things like being able to create a vision, things like being able to execute on strategy, those things will stay the same. If you took a leader from today and you put them into a time machine and jumped them into 2030, would they be just as successful if they did all the same things today that they would in 10 years? And the general consensus was no. And it's because our businesses are going to look different. So when we look, for example, at things like the impact of artificial intelligence and technology, I mean, it's starting to have an impact now. In 10 years, you can just imagine what's going to happen. When we look at things like the impact of globalization, the changing nature of talent, the overall pace of change, purpose and meaning, these are all things where we're sort of like at the tip of the iceberg for them now. And in 10 years, these are going to be radically shaping our businesses and how we operate and how we even think about work. And because of that, we're going to need a new type of leader at the helm of these organizations. And so what I created is what I call the Notable Nine. And the Notable Nine is a collection of four specific mindsets and five skills that future leaders are going to have to possess. And so that's the general consensus. Leadership will be different over the next 10 years and beyond. So I'm actually, um, one of the books I got for Christmas was about leadership of like four presidents throughout history. And so I was kind of thinking a little bit as you were talking about, there are some things with leadership that stay the same, even over centuries. You got to have, like, you know, a leader when you see it, but that will continue in the next decade, right? Like, as far as like, you know, a leader when you see it? Well, I mean, just like in terms of the inspiration part, you got to inspire, you got to be able to fail and pick yourself up. You got to... Yes. Yes. So there are a lot of those common themes. But so here's the really weird thing. From these 140 CEOs, the hardest question for all of these CEOs to answer was when I asked them, how do you define leader and leadership? They had no problem talking about mindsets and how they spend their day and skills and you know economics and global... Like They had no problem talking about that. But when I ask them, how would you define leader and how would you define the concept of leadership to somebody who's never heard of it before? In the most common response, I would get this like five seconds of silence and then I would get the like, hmm, that's, nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> I'm sitting on the other line thinking like, you are running a multi-gazillion dollar company. You have 100,000 employees under you. How is it that nobody's ever asked you this before? And what I started to understand is that we take this concept of leadership for granted. In other words, we all assume that we know who a good leader is. We all assume that we know what leadership is. And the reality is that that's not true, but we're surrounded by it. It's kind of like trying to explain and define water to somebody who's never seen water or who's never heard of water. I mean, if you think about it for a minute, how would you explain or define water to somebody? We all know what it is because we're surrounded by it. Yeah. But for most of us, we experience leadership when we show up to work. We experience leadership when we play sports, when we go to the supermarket, when we listen to the news. And so because it's all around us, we never actually take a step back to ask ourselves, well, what is it and who is it? And that to me is a big, I don't want to call it a red flag, but because the leaders don't spend enough time doing this, their organizations don't spend enough time doing this. So the very first step, and even when I give talks on this 
one of the first things that I always like to ask audiences to do is to write down how they would define these two things. And what you find, and this is what I found from the 140 CEOs, is they all define these things differently. I didn't get any two definitions that were the same. Some people talked about business metrics and performance. Some people talked about inspiration. Some people talked about a combination of doing both of these things. I mean, it was all over the map. Yet they all run multi-billion dollar successful companies where tens of thousands of employees work there. And really why this is important to start off at this very first base level is because how you define this will dictate the types of filters that you have in place. So for example, Mm -hmm. if you define leadership as somebody who is able to achieve the mission of the company, somebody who is able to generate profits and improve shareholder value, then the filters that you're going to have in place at your company are going to be all about those things. But if you define leadership or a leader as somebody who is constantly helping others become more successful, somebody who is contributing to the community or the world at large, somebody who is able to inspire other people, then those are the types of filters that you're going to have in place. So the filters and the definition are really kind of the starting point for everybody. And I was just so fascinated to hear all these different definitions from these CEOs. Yeah. We work with a lot of companies for their recognition software and performance management, and we like to tie it into their values. And every company has a different set of values, but everything kind of trickles down from that. And what we do in our recognition is we allow them to positively recognize those behaviors that align with that overall vision. But you got to have that overall vision from the top. You do. And the other thing that I found is that the values of these companies are not unique. You talk to 10 different companies and chances are a lot of the values are going to align. You know, one company says they value customer centricity and trust and fun and collaboration. You talk to another company, they have the exact same values. So the values of organizations are not unique. What is unique is how these values actually come to life. Because, I mean, I can tell you from doing 40, 50 talks a year, I always ask companies what their values are. And somebody raises their hand and they tell me their values and they say, who else in this room has those exact same values or some of the similar values? And everybody else in the room raises their hand. So I don't want people to think in terms of like, the values that you have are never going to be unique just to you. There are always going to be other companies out there who have similar and overlapping values. But what does make your company unique is how you bring those values to life. And I don't think we spend enough time thinking about that. I love it. I love it. So where can people go to find more from you? So there are a couple different places people can go to. So if you're interested in the book, there's a URL called getfutureleaderbook.com. I mean, it's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold, but getfutureleaderbook.com. My website is thefutureorganization.com. Can I just mention one more really interesting insight that I learned from this? Sure. So from the 14,000, almost 14,000 employees that we surveyed, So I mentioned that I put together a collection of these top skills and mindsets. This to me was the most shocking thing from the book. So these 14,000 employees, we broke them up into different seniority levels, individual contributors, mid-level leaders, and senior level executives. And we asked all of these different types of seniority levels, how well are you practicing these skills and mindsets that these 140 CEOs identified? And so everybody gave their responses. 
And then we asked another question, how well do you think your leaders and your senior executives are practicing these skills and mindsets? And the craziest thing was that the leaders inside of organizations, they think they're doing a pretty good job. Like a lot of them, 50, 60% of them would put themselves in the either very well or the reasonably well category. So not bad. But when we asked the people who work for these leaders, and we said, how well are your leaders and your top executives practicing these skills? The number of leaders who scored in the very well category was in the single digits. So <laughs> less than 10% of leaders around the world are practicing these skills and mindsets very well. And that to me is scary. And if we look at the top two categories of very well and reasonably well, the gaps there were like 30, 40%. So imagine 60% or 70% of leaders are saying, yeah, we're doing a good job, but only 20% of the people who work for those leaders would agree, right? That's a huge, huge gap. And that's part of the reason why Glassdoor exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the way, so we didn't talk about what some of these skills and mindsets are, but I mean, these are things like thinking like a futurist, having a global mindset, curiosity, listening in communication, coaching and mentoring. I mean, these are just some of the skills and mindsets that we're talking about here. So really what this shows is that leaders might think they're doing a good job, but if you're a leader and you're listening to this, the people who work for you don't think that you're doing a good job. And that's really the only thing that matters. It's the perception is reality. If the people who work for and with you say that you're not doing a good job, you're not doing a good job. It really doesn't matter what you think about yourself as a leader. It's what those who work for and with you think. So that to me was the most, I think, shocking thing. But I also think that this means that there is tremendous opportunity for leaders around the world to really step up, to not only practice these mindsets and skills, but to teach others these things as well. And the cover of my book is a lighthouse. And a lot of people have asked me, what's up with the lighthouse image? And For me, when I think of a leader, the lighthouse image is what comes to mind because lighthouses are supposed to guide mariners and explorers to safety. They're supposed to guide them, you know, help them find their way back home and to make sure that they don't get crushed by the rocks or stuck on shallow waters. So as a leader inside of an organization, this is kind of the visual I want everybody to have that's listening to this. As a leader, your job is to build yourself up to become that lighthouse, but it's also to guide other people. There's no point in building yourself up. A lighthouse is useless if there are no ships in the water. So if you're building yourself up and teaching yourself these things and you're not bringing other people along with you for the journey, then your work is meaningless. The whole point of this is not for you to do these things for yourself, but for you to be able to do these things for others and for your organization. So that's kind of the visual I would love everybody to have. Be the lighthouse in your company. Well, I love it. Thanks, Jacob Morgan. Good luck with all your travels coming up, and I'll be sure to help promote your book and our blog coming February. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020. 